Imagine cold calling a C-level executive at a Target account where he or she personally picks up the phone and agrees to a meeting because they just happen to be seeking a solution like yours. Stop imagining and start dialing with DiscoverOr, the world's leading prospect intelligence platform. Visit discoverorcom forward slash SDR to learn more. You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you. If you haven't met Hope Baker yet from Aptus, Hope, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing excellent. How are you doing, David? I'm very excited. I'm very excited to talk to you. You are a, uh, are you a BDR or an SDR? So I am an enterprise BDR over at Aptus. Enterprise BDR at Aptus. I'm really excited to get you on the show because you are actually doing the job every day, being successful. And a lot of the people that we talk to are more you know, theoretical on sales development, but you're actually doing it and doing very well. So I'm excited to get you on the show and pick your brain about what's working for you. So thank you for coming on. Glad to be here. Excited to be here. <laughs> and <laughs> Finally. tell me this. I know this took forever. <laughs> and I want to know, you know, for people that haven't met you yet, how did you come to become an enterprise BDR at Aptus? Yeah. So I, you know, taking it back to how I became a BDR, even I started after college doing door-to-door sales and just fell in love with, you know, starting conversations and starting that whole cycle. So I started at a company called Memory Blue, which luckily brought me out to California. And then just with being involved in different organizations, one event, which you put on David, the sales development manager meetup, I saw Catherine speak, who's a director of business development over here and then I had seen Maria speak the week before, Maria Perlino at AISP, and I was felt so inspired just by you know their philosophies on business and just being women really taking the tech world by storm. So I sent them balloons <laughs> the next day, <laughs> sent them a bouquet of balloons, asked them to go into coffee, said I wanted to you know learn about their path and you know follow in their footsteps. And the next thing I knew, I was interviewing for a role and starting at Aptus. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. I love that story. So, you know, you took the initiative to go out and try to up your skill level and then also had some creativity in setting up the meeting. Yeah, 100%. I think that one of my contributors success has been going to the AISP events, going to the, you know, sales development meetups and any way to go network and also one thing that I do is I write down what people say while they're speaking. So being able to reference what they said when you speak to them is a really powerful, powerful move. I love that. I mean, it's amazing how you go to these things. I mean, people that sit on those panels and you know do webinars and all that stuff, they prepare for a long time. They get everything ready. They're really excited. They do a great job. And then it's like crickets. You know, it's like, what did, yep. I, what did I just do that for? So I love that idea. That's great. Now, tell me about your experience with Memory Blue, because that seems like a really interesting organization and just a way to 
go from, you know, that passion that you had in sales to actually translating to a tech sales career? Yeah, I definitely have to give a huge shout out to Mark Gagne and Chris Corcoran over there. I started in the Virginia office and essentially you are, you're contracted out business development reps. So I, we're in the office doing 70 plus dials a day, emailing and learning the basics of how to be an SDR BDR. And you're doing this while working for clients like Hitachi, Threat Metrics, Smart Focus, all of these high tech, you know, high tech companies that have great name recognition and great technologies, all fresh out of college. I mean, they give you the groundwork for your career. And I always say that to people. I, I credit Memory of Blue for really kickstarting me to where I am now because I learned all the basics. And it really, you learn how to do the grunt work and not complain and just get things done. <laughs> nice. And how did that work? So you, you found Memory Blue and you went in and applied and got the job. And then like, what was the process of, of taking kind of a raw recruit and, you know, creating a, a rock star? Yeah. So I, funny enough, so the day I started, I found out that they were opening the California office. <laughs> and I remember saying to Michael Mishler, hey, I want to come with. And him being like, hope you started 10 minutes ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> like let's, let's just see how things go. So they really just bring you in. And from day one, you are, you know, you're doing role plays, you're calling, you're putting together call scripts, you're meeting with your client. They immerse you into the environment where, you know, I, you don't really have a choice. Like you can sink or swim, but the way they create it, you know, most people swim, which is exciting. Yeah. And so how do they how do they make sure that they get people, you know, that are pretty serious about this for, through the interview process? I mean, is it is it like do they make it really clear, hey, you're going to come in, hit the ground running and and go from there? Or do you have to kind of learn that on the job? I think it, they make it really clear when you're interviewing. And I think the thing that with Memory Blue, because, you know, a couple of my great friends still work there. When they're looking for candidates, they're looking for people who have been in customer service of some way during college or, you know, before college or athletes. So people who have already have that outgoing and really big drive. And if you don't have that, I would almost guarantee you're, you're not going to get hired. So that <laughs> the, the chance of that not correlating is slim to none. <laughs> right. So, so they kind of take, you know, take care of that in the interview process. And then when you came in, what were the attributes that you needed to be able to get up and running in that environment? And the reason I ask is, you know, there could be people on the line who think maybe, you know, they're thinking about getting into sales development and they're not really sure if it's right for them. Yeah, no, totally. So I think that, you know, to describe a day in the life, we were doing, you know, even we'll talk about my second week. So my second week, I was going in, I was meeting with the clients over WebEx because they were up in Seattle doing different trainings. So here's my, like, here's my biggest piece too. When you're new into sales development, going to a company like Memory Blue, where you know the training is going to be there. You have, you know, we had new hire trainings every day. There's a weekly training with the whole company. So going to a company like that is just, I think, really beneficial just to learn the, the groundworks. I mean, I still apply some of the methods that I learned at Memory Blue to my job today. I mean, most of them. Nice. And, and in those daily trainings, what kind of stuff would you guys focus on? So anywhere from things as simple as to writing an email. I mean, I know that sounds simple, but you'd be surprised. I mean, I 
take pride in like my, my email game. And sometimes the emails that I get that people send me to look over to send out, like it's not, it's not actually a simple process. So <laughs> even just, you know, sending emails, subject lines, role-playing calls, how to do, you know, five steps to a conversation, how to, how to send a calendar and calendar invite, how to do, you know, different methods. So. Yeah. And did they have a sort of a full-time trainer in the office there with you or who, who would actually run these trainings? So I actually, so once you, once you get past a certain amount of days, you could like, we could actually leave the training. So when we came out to California, I led a lot of the trainings, my other colleagues did, but it's, it's a lot of times it's peer led. At least it was in Virginia when I was out there, peer led trainings. And then the company wide training was done, you know, either by Mark or Chris, or they had alumni come in or, you know, the delivery managers. So. Gotcha. Okay. And, and, you know, this is, this is great because I think training is, training's tough for, for managers to put together. Cause you're kind of sitting there going, what do I, what are we going to train on? Who's going to prepare the material? You know, who's going to get everything together. And so it sounds like they didn't necessarily put all the burden on the manager. They kind of spread it out to the peers to do. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So okay. When we moved to California, like I would get to choose what topic I wanted to do and they would look at your strong suit. So if I have, if I have a strong email game, you would have me running an email training. If I have a strong, you know, rapport building or, you know, rapport building with with prospects, but also with, you know, with your AEs, how to build that relationship, you best believe that Hope will be running those trainings, whereas somebody else might be better at something else and they're going to be in charge of those. Yeah. No, this, this, it sounds like a great program. I mean, for someone who's kind of making that transition, I've always been curious about that because I've been a customer of Memory Blue, but I've never actually obviously gone through the program and people just speak really highly of it. Now, so you took that basis of skill set and then you translated it to Aptis. What was that process like of going from Memory Blue to Aptis? Yeah, so I actually was at Eat Club in between Aptis, which mm. is you know a meal delivery service yeah. in the Bay Area in Los Angeles. I'm sure you've heard of them. So I was working on their enterprise Los Angeles market. Really, it was a really great experience to go from Memory Blue to Eat Club to Aptis because at Eat Club at the time we didn't have very, very many resources to prospect and things like that. So it was great to learn how to do you know the bare things was kind of the bare minimum, which coming to Aptis, I mean, we have, we have a lot of resources here. <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have a lot in our sales stack, which is amazing. So being able to transition and having to have had to learn those, you know, those basic skills and that's what you had to stride on. And then coming to a company like Aptis that has a full stack for you waiting. It's just, you know, it's great to transition into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And so you kind of had to be scrappy and and figure it out on your own. And then all of a sudden now you've got the keys to the kingdom of all these toys. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how I feel. I feel like a kid in a candy store or, you know, a kid at a jet ski store. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so tell me about that process. What, what What is it that's made you successful at Aptis as a BDR and made you become an enterprise BDR? Yeah, I think the main thing would be that I I look at everything in a strategic and big picture mentality. I don't look at an email or a call as just a dial or a metric. I take a holistic approach. So when I say I have five top accounts for the week, 
I will know before I start calling into that account. I will be looking at their 10K report. I will be looking at their news. What has their CEO been saying? What are the people on LinkedIn sharing? I want, I make note cards for all of my accounts that have all the top information so that when I start calling in those accounts and doing those dials, I have the ammo and I have, you know, the, the tools in my toolkit to be able to have a real and meaningful conversation. I can't call a C-level of, you know, say Citibank and not be educated. So I think that that's what has made me so successful is I put in that work and I, I make that be first. How many more meetings could you set if your team made three times more calls per day and connected directly to decision makers? How much bigger would your pipeline be if you booked 20% more meetings this month? Don't wonder. Check out DiscoverOrg at discoverorg.com forward slash SDR for personalized demo. Yeah, and, and tell me about that because I, I think, you know, uh, what you might hear from SDRs is like, hey, that's a lot of research and a lot of digging and they, they expect me to call like a hundred people every day. Is it that you don't necessarily have that heavy expectation or do you just do the research on your own time and bring it into the office? So I think, I mean, I think it could be both. I'm the type of person where like last night I was making note cards for three hours on different topics and, <laughs> and this was at home, but I, I have the mentality, like I, I want to be an account executive. I want to be closing deals. Like I want to, you know, I want to make it, I want to be an executive in a company and make it to these different higher levels. So I am willing to put that work in, but in terms of research, I think if you think about it, when you read a 10 K, which by the way, everybody 90 days into the new year, all public companies are coming out. So all of them will be coming out. And there's a part in a 10 K that says it has all of the issues that they're facing and it's probably two pages. Some of them, it's only one page. It says the issues they have in their company and the risk factors. And if you just read that tiny section on each account you have or each big account you have, you would be shocked on what projects you can find out that exist. They even name, they'll name the teams that they're creating to fix these problems. And those problems could prop are most likely, you know, gonna they're going to fit in a tech stack. Might not be yours, but somebody's, you know? Okay. And then, so there's two things that I'm hearing. One is you've got the drive. I mean, that's, that's coming through in the conversation. I mean, you're bringing the drive, whether it's door-to-door -door sales, memory blue, e-club, or what you're doing now. I mean, you want to expand and grow and grow your career, which is amazing. And I, I feel like that's something that you've got to bring every day. Just that's like table stakes, you know, to be successful. And you definitely have that. And then the other thing is you're focusing on finding problems to solve for people that you could potentially help with and making that the basis of your outreach. Am I characterizing that correctly? No, that's 100% right. I am looking at, and it's great that I work at a company like Aptis, who's, this is their whole model is we're not, I'm not here to sell you my products and my different and my footprint. I'm here to solve a business problem for you. And how you do that as a BDR, how you get into these meaningful opportunities that will close and will move down is to figure out what are their problems. And luckily for most of us, we can figure those problems out with 10Ks and LinkedIn and all the resources that we have available. We can easily scan through a document and figure out, okay, for example, Bank of America had their earnings call this morning. And they had, you know, high earnings. And so I could call them and they announced as well that they have certain patents in blockchain. So if I'm going to call them, I'm going to ask them, 
hey, congratulations on your earnings. Let's talk about what you're going to do with those earnings to incorporate blockchain into your strategy. Like nice. I'm, I'm arming myself with these tools to be able to have these conversations. Okay, so let's say let's say there's someone listening, they're BDR, and they haven't been, they up to this point, they haven't been putting in that research, and they're just kind of like going through the motions of making the calls and getting kind of discouraged. Like, what what is the process that you follow to get that research so that you feel like you're comfortable talking about their problems? Yeah, so. I start, I just did a whole realignment with my account executive of what our top accounts are. So I came into work a couple Mondays ago and I use, I use Evernote to organize my accounts. So it's, you can do if there's a free version. So each tab, I have my account. I go in, I just type their name in with the 10 K go read the 10 K, which takes 10 minutes and just, I, you know, copy and paste the different issues and then I will go click the news section on Google and just see, okay, you know, what's what's happening in the news about them? Is their CEO speaking? Or maybe they had, you know, something really bad happen that my solution might have fixed. So I'm going through there, you know, looking on LinkedIn to see their social media pages. That's another thing that I go above and beyond with with social media. David, if you pulled my Twitter up right now, you would see. <laughs> There are tweets at Airbus, there are tweets at Markle, there are tweets at Navient, Wells Fargo. I make sure that I'm interacting with them, even if they don't interact back. I'm making sure that I'm interacting with them on social all the time. And I think if you're going to take a first step, 10K, news research, and social are the three things that can bump you up from being discouraged or being you know, kind of just flatlined with what you're doing and take you to the next level. Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of taking a step back. It's like, are you interested in what you're doing? Because the, the, the feeling that I'm getting and talking to you is that you are actually interested in this stuff. You're excited about this. This is something that, that, you know, you're driven to do even at home after work. And it's like people listening, I mean, taking a step back, it's like, do you have that natural drive to do this in what you're doing right now? And can you not have to like drag yourself to work and drag yourself, you know, you know what I mean? Like, is it coming naturally? Because if it's not, then either you need to get excited about what you're doing because you're going to get behind or you may need to look at a different opportunity. I mean, I, you know, just on a totally extreme example. Well, and I think, David, I think you're right there. I mean, if you're not like that's I think that is probably what sets me apart is I genuinely love what I do. So I like I enjoy coming to work. I enjoy working with my team. I just started working with on more financial services side and I'm excited to come and talk to them. And I actually wrote an article on LinkedIn about like networking with your colleagues. But I ended I ended the article with if you don't like if you don't enjoy what you're doing, leave like you don't, nobody has to be a BDR. There are so many other positions and even within your company, most companies would rather you move to a different part of the organization than leave, you know, and we're, yeah. we have that, we have that flexibility. So if you don't enjoy what you're doing and you can't get out of the funk, don't waste your time. <laughs> yeah, Move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is like, you're building such a great foundation for your career and, you know, moving forward, no matter what you end up doing. I mean, you, you know how to research companes, you know how to find for a uh, 401ks. <laughs> Sorry. The I might be able to find it. Freudian slip there. 
<laughs> you, you might be, you, you've learned how to do that research. You have a great foundation, but maybe, you know, and not to discourage everyone on the call, but maybe if it's not like lighting your fire and you don't have that passion to become an AE or to move up to some other place in the organization, you know, it might be time to take a hard look because what the reason I bring that up is I'm feeling the passion that you have for this and it's really exciting. I want you to work for me, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're going to start getting like a lot of recruiter calls because it's like, dude, this is somebody who's got some momentum, you know, we want to get this person on board. But so in that vein, like as you look around your team or your experience that you've had, you know, are there, are there things right now that are not working that you see people getting frustrated about in the BDR world that you can talk about? Yeah, I think the main, there's two main things. There's one piece that comes from yourself and then the other piece that comes from, you know, your managers and your support system within your company. And I think any BDR or any, really anybody, one issue that we always run into in every company, all, because most of my friends are salespeople, right? We're all in the sales industry and we all run into the same issue is just the training issue where there's not, maybe there's training when you start, but then there is an ongoing training and there's not really an emphasis put on training to your BDRs, where if you ask me, your BDRs are the face of your company. We're the first people that, that people see, whether it's through an email or through a phone conversation or through an event, we should be armed with the most ammo possible because that's what we are. We're your frontline. You know, you wouldn't leave your frontline soldiers with nothing. And that's who we are. So I think one thing for everybody listening is take a step back going into this new year. I guess we are in the new year, but in this new year, how are you training your BDRs? Are you, are you training them like they're, you know, the most important people in your organization, or are you doing a quick training or, and leaving it at that? I think I that, that is one of the biggest, most huge, huge losses and errors within this position. And it's not, it, you know, it's every company. It is. It is. And, and you were saying also that's at the manager level. What about at the individual level? So, and I, I agree with that too. I mean, yeah. I when I think that we as BDRs and once again, in any position you're in, if you're not doing things to grow yourself, you're, you're probably not interested as much in your position as you thought you were. I mean, like we talked about in the beginning of the call, I go to almost every single event that I can get my hands on in my area that involves anything with inside sales, anything with account executives, sales development managers, anything that's going to get me around people who are in my role right now and are doing the role that I want to do next, which is be an account executive. Yeah. So I think if you're not doing those things, you're also doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Where's the hustle? I mean, it, like, oh, the manager's not training me. Hey, you know what? There's YouTube. There's meetups. There's, yeah, totally. There's like public seminars. You know, get out there. Like, spend your own money. Go figure out how to become an AE. Like, bring the hustle, you know, because I think it's very easy. And I'm not saying like I'm perfect about this, but I think it's very easy to sit back and be like, hey, they're not giving me what I need to be successful, you know? And instead, it's like, no, dude, you know what? They don't care. They care about themselves. You got to care yep. about yourselves and go get the training that you need, you know? Yep. So, but um, yeah, let I me ask you this. If you, if you could wave a magic wand and set up a training program for the BDRs, what <laughs> would you include 
in that. <laughs> That's, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and I, I, I write everything down and I think I have a notebook somewhere with a lot of these details, <laughs> but I would say, I mean, my main thing is we need to be talking more about what the problems we're solving. So in a, in a perfect world for me, I would have BDRs sitting on, you know, sitting on our calls with our sales engineers, sitting on demos and I would make sure that that's fit in the structure of the week, that we have time allotted to do those throughout, you know, while you're throughout your time at the company. And I would push, I would find a way to make learning customer stories fun. So maybe like we do this at Aptis now, once a week or a couple of times a week, we'll say a customer story at the huddle. We have a team huddle every day. So my, my team, are, we're learning about what we're solving for our customers. So then it becomes less oh, I don't understand the product. It's too technical because Aptis has a huge footprint. It becomes, okay, now, okay, I understand it because I get what we did for customer X. We solved this issue. So now I only need to learn the three points underneath and how we solved their problem. What, we did, what were their business outcomes? So I, yes. in a perfect world, magic wand would make all of training surrounding just the business outcomes and customer stories. I love that. Okay. And then, and then what else? Like how, how do you take that information that you learn and then kind of put it into the head of the BDR so that they can then interact with customers in the best way possible? Yeah. I think another thing that we used to do at Memory of Blue that honestly, I think I might've done one a month ago with one of my friends is role-playing over the phone. So we at Memory Blue, this was something that we did. You had to, you called your colleague on the phone or whatever, and you role played how a cold call would go. And yeah. my friends and I, my, so most of my group of friends, like my group, I moved across the country from Memory Blue with, from Virginia to California. So we would call each other and we still do while we're on our commutes and role play, <laughs> like how these conversations are supposed to go. And that's not even just with your prospects. Like I'm, I'm role-playing how I'm going to have a conversation with my account executive. You know, when I first started, like I was role-playing those. If I need to have a conversation with my manager or if I need to, you know, I won a couple lunches at Aptis with our CEO, our CRO, our COO. I've had lunches with these people and I'm calling my friends at night and I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk about like, what questions should I ask? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how do I make sure the conversation flows? And, you know, so I think, that is important too, is to add role playing into, into your training program. And that. at memory blue, we did the, we would evaluate calls too, which okay. I, it sounds brutal to have your voice heard in front of your whole team, but it was actually really great to listen and pick up different things that are working, things that aren't working and get the feedback. Oh, I love that. I mean, you got to have that. It's like game tape, you know, reviewing the game totally. tape after the game to see, Oh, he totally screwed up right there, <laughs> but it's hard. Or I mean, he scored yeah. a touchdown. There right, right. What did he do? <laughs> what did he do right? So let me ask you this. If you could sit down, and I have a feeling you do this already, but if you could sit down with a sales development manager and give them some advice, like how to run the team or how to improve their team, do, can you think of anything that you would say to them? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, that's funny. Cause I, I do do that. <laughs> I do do that. And I, one of the things I suggested was have, I opened up my calendar and I said, have the new people or the people who might not be, you know, who might not be hitting the quota at the rate or at the level that they, that the potential they have to be, 
have them come sit in on my demos, have them come sit in on all of my calls so they can just listen, have, take an hour every day to shadow what, you know, what my account executives are saying on the phones and what are, happens in our meetings so that they can then understand being, okay, these are what we're solving that, which I keep going back to that, but this is, you know, what you should be. This is the way that you want to shape your conversations. Right. So I did give that piece of suggestion. And also one thing I've wanted to get started <laughs> since I think, I think I wanted to start one since I was like 15, but doing like a company, like a team book club, like finding a book and, and we can split it up. I know memory blue we used to do this too. It all goes back to memory blue. So <laughs> we would have yes. a book and if you have, you know, you can do teams of four and doing book clubs about different sales topics and different ways to stay motivated, take rejection, fanatical prospecting, like different, you know, different books to better understand this role and this function. Yeah, I love that. And because if you walk away with one good takeaway, it could it could be the difference to kind of unlock your potential. Just one one takeaway from the, a book. Exactly. So I love that one. All right, perfect. Okay, so let me ask you this. You laid out your your strategy for moving ahead. What's next for you? What are you excited about right now? And you know, what are you going to be working on over the next few months? Yeah, so I am, I mean, obviously, I think I've said a couple times, I want to be an account executive. I want to be in the field, in front of customers, closing deals. So right now, I mean, I'm, you know, working really close with my account executives, hoping to move to a possible inside sales role where I'll be able to have more responsibility, close smaller deals. And I'm pushing all of my focus, which is really exciting. I'm pushing all of my focus to financial services. So I'm actually taking courses, my series seven course, I'm going to take my CFA, different like CFP. I'm taking all of these different courses and certifications to learn financial services so that I can sell to them and understand their business in a way that most sellers, unless they've obviously been an investor, most sellers aren't going to know. It's just going to give me more credibility um, when I want to go out to the customers like Wells Fargo, Citigroup, Chase, and sell them software. <laughs> yeah, I love that is such a great idea because I, I think a lot of people, they go from company to company and it's like, well, this year I'm selling, you know, like, you know, uh, HR software. Next year, I'm selling sales software. Next year, and and it's like, in order to get inside the head of the of the prospects and customers, you have to be able to like live in their world and speak their language. So I love the idea of you immersing yourself in the customer's world. One hundred percent. I'll be nice. a professional soon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll learn how to. I'm going to learn how to invest for myself too. There you go. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to see your progress. I've learned a ton on this conversation. I know everybody else has. And I just want to like attach myself to your coattails because you are definitely <laughs> going to go places in the next few years. And I can't wait to watch. So thanks for coming uh, on. David, thank you. I, I hope to meet you in person soon. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, believe me, I've, I've got the a couple of events planned and then of course the conference is again in it's actually August 30th this year the sales development conference so we'll definitely get you out to that so perfect i would love to and everybody awesome. you can follow me on twitter yes. at hope o baker and add me on linkedin which is hope o baker too
Yeah, had definitely. to give a I, shameless little oh, I, I <laughs> shout love it. out there. <laughs> I love it, and I, I follow you on both. You put out a lot of great content. It's also like just fun stuff that you're doing. It's a lot of fun. So I, I mean, I, I definitely would recommend that you guys connect with Hope again. We might all someday be working for Hope, um, so we want to <laughs> get in good now before now. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. side by side, David, side by side. There you go. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, David. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.